Welcome to KJV Cafe, where we explore great truths from God's holy word in a simple, down-to-earth fashion. Romans 10:17 shows us where faith comes from. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's grow our faith together in the cafe today. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. Grab your Bible and a hot cup of coffee or tea and join us now as we explore God's holy word. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the cafe. Welcome to the program. Pastor Clark Covington here with you today. Just brewed up some coffee. Excited to be joining you here today to dive into God's word and study it. Amen. Study it. As I was talking about coffee with my wife and we said, when do kids start drinking coffee? And we said, oh, you're about, you know, 20, 18, 19, 20. Not everybody, of course, but you're studying. Maybe you're in high school, college, studying, and you got to stay awake during your studies. And uh, it's no different here. We're studying the Bible. And honestly, if you know the Lord, you don't even need coffee to be awake because the Holy Spirit living within you will be excited to study God's Word. Amen. And today we're diving into a really interesting subject. And that is uh, the idea of the exclusivity of Christianity. The idea that being Christian, like believing in Christ, is completely exclusive from being involved in another religion. And I uh, feel like I kind of touched a nerve last week, made a video um, on, uh, on, on why or can you be a Christian and a Buddhist. I made a video on that. You can see it on our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash KJV cafe. And it was on YouTube and people were starting to comment on it and it got, got a lot of activity. Uh, and, um, people, I started to research this a little bit and people are very, very bothered when Christians say that their way is the way to God. And so I don't want to get too much into the Buddhist aspect today of, of, uh, why Christianity is exclusive. I want to take a step back and just look at general. Why is Christianity exclusive to anything, to Hinduism, um, to uh, any kind of religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, mysticism, um, all the different religions of the world? Why is Christianity one where it is completely separate, amen, in the sense that you cannot, I don't believe, truly be a Christian and also be part of another religion. It, it won't work like that. Now, you say, well, Brother Clark, has anybody been in another religion and they get saved, but they can't like tell someone they're saved or they're going to be murdered? Of course, all right? Like, but I'm saying in your heart, in your heart, there's not room for two religions if you're a Christian. There's only room for Jesus Christ, amen? So let's take a step back. What does it mean to be Christian, to believe in Christ, and thus become Christ-like? Salvation and sanctification. What does it mean to be Christian? I think you can boil it down to to believe in Christ, because Christian means Christ-like, okay? To be Christ-like, you have to believe in him and what he did for you on the cross. That's salvation, amen. And then to be Christ-like, that's the idea of sanctification, living as Christ each day, taking up your cross, and so forth. Uh, and so we'll start with salvation, amen. Uh, salvation, when I think of salvation, I think of Romans Road. Now, I know the gospel, the most clear picture of the gospel, as I've always been taught, and as I've found in the Bible, is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I'm going to pull it up here, and I'm going to read it. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, and then we'll get into Romans Road. 
Uh, both of these epistles, both these letters in the Bible, both these books of the Bible written by Paul here. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, but which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's it. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again three days later according to the Scriptures. And so we see that our our salvation hangs completely on the cross at Calvary. It's Jesus Christ our Lord 100%. Uh, believing on what he did for us. And I like to delineate. I want to be clear here. We don't believe in Christ as in, okay, I believe Jesus lived. That's not enough. Amen. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need to not only understand that Christ lived and died and was buried and rose again the third day. We, We need to understand that plus We have sin in our life that's unresolved. We have a sin debt that we cannot resolve. We are sinners. Uh, The depravity of man. Man is depraved. We are basically evil and sinful, and we need a Savior uh, to get right or to be reconciled to a holy God. That's what we need to believe, right? Uh, Romans 3.23, for all of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we realize we have a spiritual death and a literal death, and that those are the wages of sin. And I can get into that, but basically when Adam and Eve, they sinned in the Garden of Eden, uh, that's when sin entered the picture, and that's when death entered the picture. As I understand it, there was no death in the Garden of Eden prior to sin entering the picture. And so Adam and Eve sin, they are expelled from the Garden of Eden, and they become sinful uh, mortal creatures. They're no longer going to live forever. They have issues. Sin is uh, messing everything up. Last night in our uh, little church fellowship we have here at my house, we have a meal, amen, and we pray, and we go through scriptures, and everybody, it seemed like everybody in here, all the adults were talking about their eyesight being not great, and who needs glasses, and who needs contacts, and it reminded me of the sin curse, that we're, we're, we're compromised, amen, we're not who God had initially made us to be, Adam and Eve were perfect before sin, but once sin entered the picture, they became mortal, they became plagued, and of course, they were the first to deal with it, so I'm sure they were much more healthy than us here today, but still, sin entered the picture, and death entered the picture, and the wages of sin is death, that means the payment of sin is death, that means what we are owed for our sinful life is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God sees the problem. God knew the problem. He foreknew the problem. Amen. Uh, God the Father sends God, sends God the Son, the only begotten. Amen. Uh, to die on the cross for our sins. He lived a perfect sinless life, 33 and a half years here on earth. He was born of a virgin. And because he was sinless and he died on that cross, amen, When he was buried three days, three days also symbolizes full death in Jewish culture, as I understand it. He's raised again on the third day, miraculously raised again. He's resurrected by God. The Bible says he was seen uh, by over 500, amen. He walked the earth 40 days and 40 nights after his resurrection. Uh, And we see that when when Christ did that, um, that we are now forgiven of our sins. That, That The Bible says there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. 
And so we needed blood to be shed for our sins, but we couldn't sinfully take one of our ourselves and give ourselves to God because we're sinful man. So God comes himself in the form of man, but is sinless. And when he dies on the cross, he is literally putting on our sinful shoes and he's giving us his holy shoes or his holy robe. And he's putting on our sinful garments. That's why it was such a brutal death for Christ because he didn't deserve to die on the cross. He hadn't done anything wrong. Amen. He didn't have any sin in him. And yet he took upon sin for the whole world to die on that cross at Calvary so that we could be saved. And when we simply believe, all we have to do is believe. It's a free gift. You know, if I knock on your door, being a big, imposing man with a beard, and I say, hello, I have a free gift for you, you may look at me and say, this guy, doesn't. I don't want to take a gift from him. <laughs> you say, no, uh, no, no, thank you, right? No, thank you. Well, you had a chance to receive a free gift, but you had to accept it. I'm not going to force it upon you. If you say, no, thank you, if you close the door, hey, uh, then I, I won't give you that free gift. The Bible talks about, behold, I'm at the door knocking, amen. Christ is there. If you let him in, if you accept that free gift of salvation, what does it mean? It means you recognize you're a sinner. You recognize the wages of sin is death. You recognize the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You recognize that it was all God, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you're saved. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we believe in our heart, the deepest place in our souls. We believe, we believe. Intellectually, we can understand, but in our hearts, we have to believe. So we believe in our heart. We speak it with our mouth. We're saved. And Romans 10, 13 tells us that anyone can be saved for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then once you're saved, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That means that once we're saved, we're no longer under condemnation. What does it mean to be condemned? Amen. It means to have a problem. It means to be shut down. It means uh, to be guilty before a holy God. And now we don't deal with that condemnation once we're saved. And nothing can separate us from our salvation. Amen. Romans 8, 38 through 39, for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we see here that Christ is the one that saved us, that Jesus Christ is our salvation, that this is the idea of the atonement, the idea of a substitutionary death, that Christ died for us because we couldn't pay that debt on our own. And therefore, our faith is exclusive. The verse that keeps coming up in my mind over and over again as I've chewed on this message and this concept, and as I've seen the response uh, from the world, for lack of a better uh, way to say it, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus is the truth, the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other, other there, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so you see here there's an exclusivity that if you believe in XYZ, which tells you that you have to do something. And again, I'm not picking on Buddhism, but Buddhism, for example, tells you to suppress your desires and to suppress this and that and to, for you to do this and that, okay? That is something you're doing, right? 
And I've heard great preaching on Islam and how Islam requires you to do something. You have to do this. You have to do that for your God. And in Christianity, our God did everything. And all we have to do is believe. And when we believe, that means that we are making him Lord of our life. That, that he, all, he, all he did was give his all. And in response, he expects our all. And how can we say that we are giving our all if we're dabbling in other religions? And I think this is a very serious thing. I, I, I take this very seriously. I, I don't like the word yoga because yoga deals with pagan practices. And I, I know yoga is very popular and it grieves me that good, well-meaning Christians are involved in that stuff. Look up the history of yoga. It's pagan and I don't like it. Stretching is great. I love sports. I love stretching. Stretching is great. But yoga is awful. We don't do that. Amen. We love the Lord so much that we take it literally. We are to have no other gods besides him. We are to love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. The Bible is full of scripture telling us that we need to be completely sold out to God. And yet many in the world don't understand this and don't like it. And it is an offense to them. The gospel is offensive because number one, people are being called sinners, which they probably don't like very much. Number two, they're being told they can't do anything to fix it on their own. And number three, they're being told that they need to accept one God and, and, and make him Lord of their life. <laughs> and so now they'd have to take themselves off of the throne and make this God Lord of their life. And all three of these things are very offensive in this modern culture that tells us to mishmash and meld all these other things. And so we see here that the gospel is exclusive. And I'm not, under, I'm not believing everyone will... Uh, be saved. I understand that, that only a remnant will be saved. Only a small group will really truly believe. But what I do understand is that this is very clear. Like it's it's not like the Bible is wishy-washy about this. So a Christian to say that the only way to uh, be a true Christian is to only serve the Lord Jesus is I think an accurate statement. And I pray uh, that you will take this to heart here today. Tune in next time as we get deeper into this message. Take care, God bless, and amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of KJV Cafe. Have a question for Pastor Clark? Email him directly at clark at enduringpromise.org or visit kjvcafe.com and click the envelope button on the homepage. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. We'll close today with Psalm 119 verses 166 through 168. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee.